0: Greetings Atlanta and podcast listeners everywhere. I'm Jacqueline Anthony, Social Work Services Coordinator for Atlanta Public Schools. Welcome to the Atlanta Public Schools School Social Work Services Podcast. This month, in May, is National Mental Health Awareness Month. And this is the time that we want to highlight our work with mental health providers and the initiative social workers are implementing to help educate and raise awareness. So I wanna begin by thanking some very important people whose support and dedication to students make what we do as school social workers possible. I'd like to give a big shout out to, and a thank you to Dr. Herring, superintendent of Atlanta Public Schools, Ms. Yolanda Brown, chief academic officer, Dr. Katika Lovett, Assistant Superintendent of Student Services, Dr. Shannon Hervey, Director of Student Support and Intervention, and the parents and families who are um, supporting their children and making sure that they're thriving through this pandemic. So the other thing I wanna make sure that I highlight is school social work services and supports are aligned to whole child framework strives to meet comprehensive needs of our students including social emotional mental behavioral well-being of all students and so this month social workers will really highlight how they have been making a paradigm shift as a result of this pandemic because we know that um, as students have been shut in for over a year uh, and um learning virtually or in a hybrid process, that uh, according to research in the literature, this is really having a traumatizing effect on them. And that may show up in, a, in, a, in various ways. And so we wanted to highlight during Mental Health Awareness, National Mental Health Awareness Month, how social workers are partnering with the mental health providers and uh, creating and developing initiatives as a result to support our students. So let's begin with our special guest, um, starting with school social worker, Lisa Jameson.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Anthony, for that um, introduction. I'm excited to be here. I have the privilege of interviewing Lisa James. She is the deputy supervisor of school-based programs with Family Ties. Before we get started, I just want to let you know that Family Ties is one of our district's mental health wraparound providers. Wraparound services provide a comprehensive, holistic youth and family approach to mental health and behavior challenges. So welcome, Lisa James, my namesake. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your role with Family Ties.
2: Well, first off, thank you very much for the invite. I'm excited about having the opportunity to speak about Family Ties. So first, Family Ties is a behavioral health agency that was started in 1994 by Mr. Hugo Mullins. Mr. Hugo Mullins is a social worker. He is not a counselor. All <laughs> right. pride in the fact that he is a social worker. He is an LCSW. And he started Family Ties in '94. As a way to work within the community to ensure that families stayed together. We started out as a contracted provider for the Department of Family and Children Services. And then in 2013, we segued over into
1: school-based services. Love that. Love that. So if we were to narrow down the primary thrust of the agency, what would you tell our audience? Oh, that's a great one. Family Ties believe that all families
2: have an inherent ability to address any situation that they may face. Um, We wholly believe that values dictate actions. And our role is to help families identify and in some cases modify their values um, through change or modification um, in order for true behavioral change to take place.
1: Nice, nice. I love that thrust. When we look at wraparound services and its true meaning, as I said earlier, comprehensive, listed, driven approach, how is that manifested into the services that you provide for our families within APS? Well, first off,
2: the important thing that I want to point out is that we do a lot of trauma work. We are a trauma-based agency that uses evidence-based trauma-focused modalities. And I think that working within the school setting, we recognize that we are sometimes dealing with complex trauma. And it's important to take an approach that will best suit the students. So besides the fact that we are a counseling agency, we are um, certified with the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities as a core agency, which is Medicaid funded mental health services for families within their community and homes. Um, In conjunction with that, there is the school-based component, um, which specifically looks to identify um, and intervene within the school setting, because obviously the school setting is the natural environment to make connections with students. And so do our services with individual counseling, family counseling, small groups, crisis intervention, um, teacher supports and training, um, parent events, student chats, we're able to create that holistic approach by presenting those services within the school setting and kind of balancing it by also providing in-home services to students
1: year round. Absolutely, you know, I know that firsthand because the role of the school social worker um, within APS is to make direct referrals. And not only to make the referrals, but to follow that referral all the way through. So I know firsthand the impact that your agency is having on our families in terms of family connection, coming into the school building, meeting with our students, collaborating with teachers, Um, it is more than, um, a notion to really see that in, in live experience. So I really appreciate the work that you do. Now, I know recently you guys were, you meaning Family Ties, um, was awarded an APEX grant. Can you tell me a little more about that grant and its impact on the work that you are already doing with the district? Well, the APEX
2: grant is a grant that's funded by the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disability. And the basic concept behind APEX is APEX recognizes that schools, that schools are a natural environment for identification and intervention. And the whole purpose is they aim to reduce the number of youth with unmet mental health needs. One of the biggest challenges and barriers that we've faced as an agency is because we're a Medicaid-funded agency and we primarily take students who have Medicaid, there are a lot of children who fall through the cracks, kids who are either underinsured or not insured. And so APEX kind of fills that gap to be able to provide services to students that we may not have been able to provide services to so that their needs are being met and they don't kind of fall through the cracks.
1: I love that um, guardrail that the Apex Grant provides. We look at initiatives that have been implemented through the grant. One of which I know in the North Cluster we did a chat to parents sessions, a series of sessions, and I know you did that across the district. Can you share a little bit about um, the impact that that has had and your collaborative efforts with school social workers? So.
2: As we all know, the pandemic has created a specific challenge um, to this type of community work. Um, The majority of our work over the last 10-12 months since the pandemic hit has been longer than that. I think it's been longer than that. Since the pandemic hit has primarily been telehealth services. And so what we were finding, we saw a couple of things that were happening with our students. We found that some of the students, as well as parents, just had screen fatigue. They were tired of being on the screen all the time and kind of doing this work you know, all day and then having to participate in counseling services. And it was very structured and, and kids were just becoming overwhelmed so we were looking for different ways to one allow the students the opportunity to engage with themselves right with their peers because that component was missing since they were not in the school building the majority were not in the school building so we decided to come up with this idea of creating these chats where students were able to just drop in we pick specific topics students were able to drop in have little chats with their with their um, peers, have that interaction, make those connections, and talk about topics that were relevant to them. So we had topics such as my teacher get on my nerves, or you know I'm so sick of putting my you know my my camera on. Why is my mother, you know, my brother's pissing me off. Like, we just created topics that we knew would relate to the students. We kind of polled some students and, you know, asked them, hey, what do you want to talk about? And it wasn't the traditional, typical education-based questions that they had. So we kind of met them where they are. And that's kind of what Family Ties does. You can't be holistic if you try and meet people from the 10th floor and they're residing on the 3rd floor. You have to be able to adapt and meet them on the third floor and hopefully help them develop the skills to move to the 10th floor. So I think that that's what the chats did. It got them acclimated to the idea of a group setting. It got them acclimated to the idea of being able to speak about things that are bothering them. So then when they segued into individual counseling or became our clients through those chats, It was almost a natural progression. They knew what it was about. They knew the questions were gonna be asked. They knew that they were in a safe space and they had the opportunity to speak about those things that were important to them. So we just did, I mean, I just love the chat and Dr. White can speak to that. We're actually doing an in-person similar model at Mays High School and we've been doing it every Friday. And the children, the the teenagers are engaged. They are, vocal, they have opinions, and it's just phenomenal to see because these are also the kids that have been identified as being, you know, some of the children that are having some challenges. So to see them interact and really open up is just, this is why I do what I do.
1: You know what, Lisa, I can hear the passion in your voice. I love, you know, the relatability, meeting people where they are. That's what makes wraparound comprehensive, holistic, relatable, right? And I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Let me ask you this, how has the pandemic impacted services?
2: So all behavioral health agencies, when the pandemic first hit that March, we were given the green light from the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities to go ahead and um, implement telehealth services and I have to say in the beginning telehealth services were a little bit of a challenge because it was something that was new but in addition to that we, we, we found ourselves facing barriers that we knew existed but we weren't fully impacted by it we had a lot of families that didn't have the basic tools in order to participate in telehealth services So once we got through that barrier, and I have to say that the school system was mean, the, the school system was instrumental in ensuring that students had access to tablets and laptops and internet. And so it was a flurry to make sure the kids had the tools in order to do telehealth. Once we went to telehealth, It was a learning process because it's not something that we traditionally did and it was not something that the children traditionally did initially they were apprehensive families were apprehensive but now i find that families actually enjoy um telehealth they like the combination of you know it person face to face and telehealth but It has gotten to the point where it's almost beginning to be normalized that it's not that big of a deal to do virtual services. Obviously, I'm a proponent of face-to-face, there's nothing like walking into a family's home and getting that vibe and that pulse of what's going on as you're working with them versus through a screen. But as long as it's necessary, we will continue telehealth services, and you know, hope for the best. Continue to challenge ourselves to come up with new, creative, innovative, innovative ways to connect with the families via telehealth.
1: Absolutely, you know, as we come to a close of our um, section today, I, I I love what you've described. It's our ability to bounce back—that resiliency um for us as practitioners as well as for the family and how that matched and so i want to thank you so much for all that you do the collaboration between school social work and family ties and all the other wraparound providers as school social workers we own this work um we are the point of contact in terms of um, referrals and following the cases all the way through similar to a case management so in closing i would like you to end our time together with what message of hope would you like to extend to family
2: i'm gonna stick with our motto it's okay to ask for help there's nobody on this planet that can do it by themselves and it is okay to ask for help simple as that
1: powerful message thank you lisa james deputy supervisor of school-based program it's been a pleasure to connect with you this morning awesome thank you i appreciate the invite And now we'll have Adelia Johnson, who will introduce her next guest. Thank you
2: so much, Lisa. I
3: greatly, greatly appreciate you. Um, Thank you, Deborah Burden, for joining us today. Um, We have Deborah Burden, who is a therapist with Chris 180 and she will be speaking with us just about services um, that they provide and just how important um, that integration of mental health services within the school environment um, is. So um, Ms. Burden, it is a pleasure to have you this morning. How are you
4: doing? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. Um, I got tickled because Ms. Johnson, you know I'm brand new to Chris 180 and I'm brand new to Grady. So I was like, oh, are you sure you want me? (laughs) But um, thank you for the invite. I really appreciate it.
3: Oh, you're so welcome. And let me just say this, even though you may be new to the environment, I think your perspective is important because I know your background and your history. And it's that integration is so, so valuable. And so um to have a fresh set of eyes, a fresh perspective, I think is is really, really, really important. So um so with that being said, actually, can you tell us some uh tell us about yourself and your role with Chris 180? And please do not forget the history that you shared with me, I think that's so important.
4: <laughs> I, I'm a retired deputy chair, and I went into the school system as a school resource officer. And while I was in the school system, um, I realized that the students didn't need policing, they needed counseling. And so what ended up happening, happening is I opened my own little counseling center um, as the resource officer in the school because the school counselors are overwhelmed with doing paperwork, et cetera. And so as a result of that, I totally changed my major and went into clinical mental health. Um, I've been with Chris 180 for um, two months now, and I am at Grady and um, Forest Hills and um, Cross Keys. So I have three schools that um, I divide my time between. And so Ms. Johnson, when you say that, um, um, being in the school system as a school-based therapist was like a natural fit to come into the school system. Um, when I thought about it, um, it's different with not being a whole lot of students in the school, but when the first day I was at Grady and the bell rang, I turned around and looked, because I'm, I'm waiting on this rush of students coming. And I was a little disappointed, I'm like, there's not enough people in here. but um, so that's a little bit about my background.
3: Yeah. All right, wonderful. And and I think, like you said, that background is so critical um, as far as integrating into the school system because we have students that have issues that are, Typically, nothing more than a symptom of something larger, and so I definitely think that you bring the expertise and the um, and the uh, knowledge necessary um, to kind of help assess those situations. So, can you tell us about Chris One Eighty, um, like when it was founded and just the purpose of um, of this awesome uh, program and agency?
4: So, Chris One Eighty is forty years old this year. Um, it started in 1981, and it was providing services for. For uh, kids in foster care. And um, the emphasis has kind of transformed and changed to where um, Chris Guarnady started offering more services. It was known as Chris Kids um, when I was way back when I was still in law enforcement. And the name changed because people were thinking that Chris Kids only meant that the services were for kids but it's for adults, it's for families, it's for um, uh, fathers, mothers, single mothers, single fathers. So it's a whole wraparound of services, Uh, and so that was the reason for the name change, Chris 180. Helping families make that uh, turn around, that transformation, I call it flipping the script.
3: Yeah, I, I like that because your your name definitely wants uh, or needs to be representative of the people that you're serving, and so I think that was a um, that was a pretty smart move. And what is the primary thrust of of Chris 180?
4: Um, it, it's so diverse. Um, I'm probably going to leave some things out. Um, Chris 180 has group homes. We have a drop in center for um, for uh, teenagers and young adults to go to, and they can go and just hang out with people their own age. Um, we have families with housing. Um, there are, uh, it's, it's just so many facets. There are near the counseling center. There are actually houses that house families that Chris 180 has put into the housing. Um, the LGBTQ community, uh, Chris 180 has become very involved with that group. Um, We've come, become very involved within the school system. I think right now we're in 60 plus schools. I'm not sure when it, when Chris 180 went into the school system, but um, Atlanta, DeKalb, Clayton and um, APS are now the, the school districts that we're in. That is awesome
3: and that's a great expansion and reach that is so necessary. You all are definitely trailblazing um, the work as it pertains to uh, that bridge from um, the school system and making sure that mental health is becoming a priority. So that's really, really wonderful. Um, so for you what is the role of the social worker as it pertains to this work? And um, as far as follow up for services and things of that nature, how important is that partnership with the social worker um, in making sure that um, that you all are, of course, getting what you need and making sure that we're connecting families to proper resources for mental
4: health? Social workers are the first go-to um, in my experience um, when sometimes families or students don't know who to reach out to and when they you know, when they need something. And so the social worker is the first go-to. Um, I know when I started in my school system um, as a resource officer, when I had a student that needed something, my first thing was to go to the social worker. Okay, I need an answer, we need some help, we need some resources. So that, that relationship is very important um, because what you know or I don't know or what you don't know Together, as a team, we can figure this out. We we can make it happen. And so that relationship is very important. The social worker, as you know, we had our first experience a couple of weeks ago. um, When you call me and, you know, if we didn't have that relationship, that would have been a disconnect. So the social worker is the the eyes and the ears and and the the heart of what goes on in the school.
3: Wow, that is so very, very powerful, and and I thank you so much for um, for acknowledging that. Um because you're absolutely correct. Uh, and even with the work that we do, we can't do it alone. And it takes strong partnerships and it takes strong collaboration um, from, you know, for social workers to work with uh, a vast group of people to make sure that the child and the family gets what they need. And so um, and yes, we did have our first experience. And I just wanna say that I loved how it flowed. I loved how it um worked out. I loved how the family's me- needs were met. Um, um, in that moment, and it was just a beautiful, um, a beautiful example of collaboration of work between the social worker, the mental health agency, and that is how it is definitely supposed to be. Um, how would you say that the that the pandemic has impacted services for you all?
4: As Miss Lisa said earlier, um, not I, I'm a face to face person. I, wanna, I want the person to be in my presence and I want to be in their presence. And so the pandemic has created that with the with the telemental health that disconnect um, or that I can have a conversation with you and not see you because you don't have your camera on. So, you know, I, I have said to several of my coworkers, you know, by the time this is all over, they're going to add another um another item to the dsm-5 and it's going to be called pandemic you know uh because it has been very stressful we are social people we are social beings and so you know it, it has created a disconnect in being able to um be in the presence of others or you know share with others or walk by someone but i think that we we've so far we're meeting the challenge so far we're meeting the challenge. Um, the organization that I came from, none of my clients wanted to do telehealth. They, all of them wanted to be, I want to be present, you know? And so the mask and the six feet of social distancing, um, you know, we, we abided by that and it worked out. So it, it's created some, a different world, a different world. I don't think telehealth is going to go anywhere um anytime soon and it's it's a good resource um to have but the pandemic has created some pandemics it's all sidebar pandemics
3: yeah i I definitely agree um i think there's been some some pros and cons uh with this pandemic and just some of the things that issues you know that it's created um but it definitely has also uh, opened up a, a new um avenue to to reach students that may not necessarily be, you know, face-to-face type of people and they do better, you know, online. And so um, I think, I definitely think that it meets the different and varying needs um, um, of the people that we serve. So um, in closing, what message of hope would you like to extend to our Atlanta public school families or anybody that may be listening um, at this particular time?
4: One thing I want to say is we are all in this together. Make no mistake about it, we are all in this together. Um, You have not because you ask not. It's imperative that when you need help, when you, even if you don't think you need help, ask a question, reach out, because there is hope um, for, for healing, for transforming, for flipping the script, there is hope. So keep that hope and move forward.
3: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking time out to speak with us today, Ms. Burden. It has been an absolute pleasure. Um, and again, everyone, this is Deborah Burden with Chris 180. Thank all you right. so much. All Deborah, right, bye-bye. You you take all care. Have all right, bye-bye. <laughs> All right, so at this particular time, I would like to introduce um, my wonderful, wonderful colleague, Miss Tyrion Randolph, um, and she will be interviewing
5: her guest. Uh, Ms. Randolph, it's on you. Okay. Thank you so much, Ms. Johnson. Next, I would like to introduce the Clinical Director of Pathways Transition Program, Ms. Lee Gobble. Welcome, Ms. Gobble. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hello. So just to start us out, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and explain your specific role with the organization?
6: Yes, ma'am. My name is Lee Gobble and I'm the clinical director with Pathways Transition Programs. I am an LCSW, so I'm a social worker. I've been licensed longer than I care to admit, uh, almost 18 years. I've been with Pathways uh, for 15 of those 18 years. Um, I serve as clinical director. I also uh, am a school-based mental health counselor to Mary Lynn Elementary, and I've been doing that for five years. So, that's my role
5: (laughs) Can you tell us um, more about when was Pathways founded? Is it a new organization and have you guys been around for a while?
6: Okay, we actually have been around for uh, 30 years. We celebrated our 30th anniversary. In April, uh, we start. We were founded uh, in 1991 by uh, Dr. Sunaina Jane. She is a clinical child psychologist. Uh, it's her practice. She's the owner. Um, pathways grew from her private practice. So, wow! Yeah, 30 years.
5: This is actually hope for those who are in <laughs> private practice to see <laughs> when it could potentially expand to. That is wonderful, and I also like to go back and acknowledge the fact that she mentioned she is a clinical social worker. Woohoo! Yes, woo-hoo. <laughs> I have to acknowledge that. Can you I tell us what? that again, Ms. I do love our field. Yes. When can you tell us when did the partnership begin with Atlanta Public Schools and um, Pathways?
6: Oh gosh, so I am going to say almost five years maybe six years ago uh, we entered into a partnership with APS schools. Uh, We are in primarily in the Grady cluster um, but we've been with the Grady cluster for five years Uh, and I can say that I've been at Mary Lynn Elementary for five years so yes five years magic number.
5: Do you also support other districts or are you primarily um, located in Atlanta Public Schools?
6: We have, Pathways has school-based contracts with Walton County Schools, Barrow County Schools, uh, DeKalb County, APS, Clayton County, uh, and I'm missing one more, oh City of Decatur Schools. So we have a number of contracts with um, various school districts. We have all, we serve 50 to 60 schools throughout the metro area.
5: Wonderful. Yeah. I want to just, just make a quick plug. I'm yeah. a product of City Schools of Decatur. I just had to say that. <laughs> <laughs> great school district. Oh, sorry about that.
6: <laughs> no, no, no. They're a great school.
5: <laughs> yes. As far as the partnership with Atlanta Public Schools, you say that you started about five years ago. So that means that I was there at the very beginning. Five years ago, I had the pleasure of meeting one of your amazing clinicians, Miss, <laughs> 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 <Ms. laughs> yes, Miss Annalie Craigmile.
6: Oh, yes, she's wonderful. She's
5: she is just- my favorite, favorite therapist. <laughs> so awesome. So often when organizations come into the school, you wanna make sure it's a good fit. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, when she came into um, our middle school, she just integrated herself. She looks young enough to be a a, a high school student, but so she's cool with some of the students. So that's her end, but she also, um, she is just, so informed and so knowledgeable and so professional. Um, so she has, you know, she has a positive on both ends. In addition to that, Ms. Craigmount and I worked so well together. She just became another extension of our staff. I mean, and that's what you want when you think of a partnership.
6: Yes, yes, so thank you. So
5: discuss the role of the school social worker. What, what is your vision, well, what is Pathway's vision when it comes to partnering with the school social workers and explain a little bit about the referral process?
6: You know, the school social workers, they're, they're integral to, to the success of the program. Um, I just two days ago, I had a staffing, a parent-teacher uh, social work staffing um, with a school social worker and she she orchestrated it. She, um, I, she, I, she was my go-to person. She coordinated everything. She had an, uh, a wealth of information, a wealth of knowledge, and she was kind of—I call it the—the um, the air traffic controller in so many ways. <laughs> um, it was impressive. Uh, she is—they gener- uh, generate referrals they are the person that we go to when we have concerns Um, they're the ones that have a relationship with the families an an established relationship with the families particularly when we're first coming on board um they're just integral They're, they're they're so very important
5: thank you so much for that um in addition to some of the resources that you've shared as it relates to Pathways, can you speak specifically about your services? What various services do you provide to your agency?
6: Okay, so Pathways is, we are a private for-profit counseling agency. Uh, We are also a child and adolescent core provider through the DBHDD, Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. We serve children as young as four, and we go all the way up through adulthood and we, take, we accept a variety of um, insurances from um, all forms of Medicaid up to private insurance. We have a number of uh, programs including intensive family intervention. Uh, we have um, obviously individual and family. We provide behavioral aid services, paraprofessionals. We have a, uh, psychiatric services with um, a child. Uh, excuse me, a board-certified child psychiatrist, nurse practitioners, as well as nurses on staff. We also have uh, psychologists, and we can provide diagnostic
5: assessments. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a wraparound support. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. How has the pandemic impacted some of those services?
6: You know, probably, I mean, the answer is very similar to many of the other um, guests you have, but we have a tech support department. And thankfully, when we realized um, that the pandemic was happening and things were shutting down, we were quickly able to find a HIPAA protected platform. and, and. get trained in telehealth and start services. Um, honestly though, our biggest, imp- our biggest when, it, when services meshed and things took off, was when the schools were able to really get in there and provide the students with tablets, with um, internet services. And when that, that was sort of the missing piece to the puzzle and when that happened, everything just took off. Um, and we were able to get into a, a pattern. Um, and when schools kind of established their patterns with Wellness Wednesdays and breaks here, things things merged. Um, it's, you know, it has certainly provided some families, Telehealth has, um, with services that they may not have been able to, to receive um, due to work schedules, due to you know, um, just kind of chaotic home schedule. So we've been able to access children in ways that we weren't able to before. Um, and obviously we've had a year of practice <laughs> to work out the kinks and to create the patterns.
5: <laughs> so, Who knew that it would be a year plus? <laughs> I'm sure none of us could have even uh, guessed that. <laughs> you're correct in our discussion do you have any parting words that you would like to share with our families
6: yes um looking back over this past year i am so proud to say that i um, work with the APS school system and their families Um, their resiliency our ability to to still connect albeit differently um, just lets me know that we have hope there's hope, there is opportunity. Um, we are adaptable, and that someone is there to listen. So, just we're here.
5: But <laughs> yeah, well, we definitely appreciate the partnership that we have with Pathways uh, Transition Program, and we look forward, hopefully, to a continued uh, partnership with you guys. Thank you so much for just taking Thanks. the time to share with us today. Thank you so much, Ms. Randolph, and thank you for your very kind words. I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you. Next, I would like to pass the mic to our next social worker, Ms. Shatila Brown.
7: Thank you, Ms. Randolph, thank you. Um, So today, I have the wonderful opportunity to introduce Mr. Garrett Rock, Mr. Garrett White. Mr. Garrett White, please tell us a little bit about yourself your profession, your number of years with the district, and the school you're supporting with the students that you serve.
8: First of all, thank you all for having me. It's it's great to be among among colleagues uh, to have a a wonderful discussion. Uh, My name is Garrett White. Um, I am a social worker by trade. I'm from Chicago. I have my degrees from Clark Atlanta, a bachelor's degree in social work, a PhD in social work, and a master's of social work from the University of Pennsylvania. Um, a little bit about my background, I worked in mental health when I first started out as a program specialist, supervising counseling in a mental health facility. And then a senior social worker at Families First over a group home, before coming to the Atlanta Public Schools. And since I've been in the Atlanta Public Schools, I've worked at I know at least about 20 schools over the past 20 years which is the number of years I've been working um, with the the district and currently I'm supporting Mays High School the great amazing Benjamin Elias Mays um, High School Um, a little bit about our students I like to think of our students as scholars scholars from different backgrounds low income moderate income middle income um scholars who are high performers or low performers but all of them are scholars and it's our goal at Maze to kind of make sure that um they buy into that scholarship so that they can accomplish what they can in high school for us to get their high school diploma
7: amazing amazing a lot of uh, expertise there i appreciate you sharing so much of you with us Tell me a little bit about how has the pandemic, when you talk about your scholars at Mays, uh, affected your work? Like, how has this pandemic affected your work, affected the students? And as a school social worker, how has how, how have you had to make the paradigm shift to be able to support your students or your scholars and their families?
8: Yeah, that's something. The pandemic, um... First, I'll start with the students and our families because that's what we're here for. Um, Those, uh, the pandemic actually, I think affected them a great deal, um, you know, in a negative perspective. They had to make some changes uh, in their lives and adapt in a way that some adults have not done. And it's difficult for adults to do. And so our students, you know, going online, spending six, seven hours uh, online going to school, and after school completing homework assignments still on the computer. Uh, School is often a safe haven for many of our young people and so having to be at home and uh, for some of our students in abusive situations uh, we know that that affected them uh, in a negative way emotionally and for some physically and so a lot of our children you know were traumatized during this particular period because they did not have um school school social workers or counselors uh to kind of uh you know partner with to keep them safe i'll say and so that's the negative aspect of it but one of the things that i've noticed um that the pandemic also provided me as a school social worker and as a professional was an opportunity to stretch myself and so where i was not used to uh, having an interview, interviews, or interviewing young people over a computer. I had to learn to do that virtually. It stretched me. So now I have a skill set uh, that I could use to benefit others, our clients, uh, for years to come. Um, it stressed me in a way that uh, I had to rethink. You know, getting outside of the box, the traditional box of schools, as far as our protocols. So I decided for myself that I was going to operate, you know, under the notion of grace, that that was more important for me and for our families than um, the regular protocol of school and court and different things of that nature. I was more concerned about the human being. So that was a paradigm shift that I had to make for myself um, in order for my own sanity, and to help uh, others, you know, maintain their own sanity, uh, you know, from the the, the the chaos that can exist institutionally in the school setting.
7: And, and as a school social worker, I can definitely relate to everything that you just said. But because of because of all the trauma that our students have experienced. Uh, Paradigm shifts that we've had to make, stretching ourselves—all of the things that you've mentioned. Please share with our listeners the initiatives that you had to develop in support of those mental health uh, and, and student well-being, or the well-being of your scholars at Mays High School.
8: Uh, well, one of the um, initiatives that I'm, I'm going to implement at Mays High School is um, Speak Life. It's a training initiative, uh, school-wide training initiative, and so. What I've noticed, and just looking at human development development and how we communicate, um, we can either help to build each other up or tear each other down. And I've noticed that in this particular setting and settings within the the district, and I talked to other colleagues in other districts as well, is that when we communicate with each other, the more toxic we are, the more toxic the environment is, right? But the more positive that we are, um, the more positive the environment is. And so following that particular notion, what I wanted to do is get into the classrooms and offices, the cafeteria, um, the notions of communicating positive uh, to students, uh, to staff, um, and not only, uh, to others, but for yourself as well. So speaking life is about um, being positive, sharing positive words to not only yourself, but others. One of the things I noticed that our young people have been traumatized so much and they uh, experience so much at home and in their communities. When they come to school, the first thing that they should receive is a hello, a word of uh, upliftment, or something to help boost their spirit. It is those type of um, uh, exchanges that help them weather the storms of life. It's those type of exchanges that help adults um, weather storms in life. A lot of times, I like to say to speak, life is an inward and outward um, power move. You want to counter the negatives of others by speaking life to yourself. You know, I am so grateful um, th- that I have life today. I am so grateful that I am a scholar today. I am so grateful that I feel great today, that I'm healthy today. You want to speak that to yourself, but you also want to share that uh, with other people, especially we sometimes adults, you know, get overlooked in that particular manner. And so if we don't view uh, others as human beings, you know, we're, we are more prone to speaking negative to them and so when we have teachers who are there to support young people um, receiving the negative we forget that adults can also be traumatized and harmed and so they deserve a word too and so this particular program um, is set up so that not only students but the staff can also benefit by creating a culture of positivity um, by speaking um, positive words to each other and learning how not to um, engage in ongoing negative uh, exchanges, you know, spoken exchanges with other people, because we know that whatever we focus on in our world, it grows in our world, whether it's positive or negative. And so I want us to kind of switch gears and move in that positive direction, especially since many of our children are coming off of this pandemic with a lot of traumatic experiences, um, and, and so we just want to be prepared to make sure that we are feeding their souls with um, the good stuff. The soul food from the lips, as I would like to um, call it, instead of the negative stuff that represents death.
7: It sounds like it's such a supportive, very supportive environment, especially when you talk about not just the students, but also the adults that work with the students. So it just sounds like a circle of support uh, with this Speak Life initiative. And I definitely would love to learn more about it, you know, read up on it myself. But um, the scholars at your school are, are very fortunate to have someone like you. And when I think about that, what message of hope, because it sounds like Speak Life is all about that, but what message of hope would you like to extend to families?
8: Um, I'll share with uh, our families um, this one thing. We all go through those valley experiences of life, those lows of life, whether it's with homelessness, whether it's with child abuse, neglect, uh, being poor, not having access to certain things. We all kind of experience that, right? Uh, But we don't have to live that long. We want to make sure that we, um, while we're in that valley experience or those, those valley experiences, that we're keeping our eyes focused on what we want, what we desire in life. And I promise you that if you begin to focus on what you want and if you can't see how to get it, you know, communicate with people like your school social workers to kind of help you understand or paint a vision for yourself on how to accomplish whatever it is that you want to Um, accomplish in your life to help you change your situation. When you do that and begin moving and um, in that particular direction, keeping your mind focused on that, change will happen. And you'll know that that Valley experience will be behind you. And so uh, maintain that particular hope when whatever you're dealing with. Get the help if you need the help and walk right out of that particular situation because you're capable of doing it. I'm sure you have all the talents the gifts, the power the strength in you to move past those situations.
7: Dr. White as I stated earlier I would love to learn more about just the things that you're doing over at Mays High School but as our listeners are listening to the wonderful things that you are implementing how can they connect with you? How can they find out more or to explore more about what it is that you're doing? How can they connect online, however.
8: Well, they can connect with me at, um, you know, at, uh, I guess on Instagram, Dr. Garrett White, at Dr. Garrick White. Um, you can connect with me on Facebook, Garrett White. Um, or I have a website, championinspiration.com. You can also connect with me there.
7: And just for our listeners, um, would you please tell us how they can spell your name?
8: Yes. Um, Again, and let me go slower this time. It's at D-R-G-A-R-R-I-C-K-W-H-I-T-E. That's the Instagram. And I spell my name G-A-R-R-I-C-K-W-H-I-T-E. And then the website championinspiration.com.
4: Awesome,
7: awesome. Dr. White, again, you guys are doing exceptional work over there. And like I said earlier, our students, our scholars are very fortunate to have someone like you advocating and instilling programs that's gonna move them past this pandemic. Thank you so much for sharing with us today.
8: Thank you all too.
3: I say that as a school social worker, um, this conversation has made me so proud Um, to do the work that we do because it really shines the light on how important our skill set is. Um, we literally have life or death situations on our hands on a daily basis. Um, and it's an honor just to work with people like Dr. White, uh, Ms. Brown, Ms. Jameson, uh, Ms. Penny, Ms. Randolph, Dr. Anthony, um, everybody, um, I mean Miss Cook Miss Carvey um, just working with creative and innovative social workers that step outside of the box and understand that this isn't cookie cutter and everything is um you got to be creative and you have to go with the flow of things and so i just want to say that this conversation has been absolutely phenomenal and i have thoroughly enjoyed it and it has really just made me appreciate um the work that we do as social workers um the work that mental health professionals do even more
0: thank you adelia for sharing that i i i have to concur and agree with you wholeheartedly um what we do is um, I wouldn't say groundbreaking, but it it changes lives. What we do as school social workers changes lives on a daily basis, and um, we may not ever see it. Um, those kids, um, when they cross over and and uh, and obtain their diploma, um, after. Everything that they have experienced, once they have been referred to us, or once we, you know, um, notice and, and 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 take them up under our wing and provide those supports, whether it be resources, whether it be connecting them to the proper agencies that can support them and their family, um, it's just a blessing. Um, and this is this is our vocation. This is vocational work. Um, this is not just you know a job where you get paid. This is a vocation. Um, and it changes lives. And so I, I have to concur with everything that you said, Adelia, um, it's a blessing to serve this role. So next we'll have closing thoughts from Takana Petty, who is the school social worker at Maynard Daxon
9: High School. Ms. Petty. Thank you, Dr. Anthony. Wow, I am so excited to hear from these powerful guests. Um, I want to, first off, thank uh, our panelists, uh, Ms. Lisa James from Family Ties, Ms. Lee Goble from Pathways, Ms. Burden from Chris 180, and our very own Dr. Garrett White. Um, As you see with Wraparound Services, Wraparound Services is focusing on the whole child. It's not just um, focusing on academics because we cannot, We, our kids cannot function on just, with just academics as we, as you, when they come into the school, they bring with them baggage. They bring with them trauma. They bring with them, um, a various, of things. And so we, as, uh, social support, social workers, we have to, uh, peel back that onion and try to figure out what it is that our students need so that they can be successfully uh successful academically and so uh what we've done is put wrap around services to focus on the whole child not just academics and so with that being said uh we want to thank uh, not just the panelists that day, but we have a variety of wraparound uh, services that we utilize throughout Atlanta Public Schools, uh, which includes Family Ties, Pathways, Chris 180, Underdue Social Services, Access Mental Health, Health Connect America, Georgia Hope, Well Springs, um, Living, and so with um We want to give a big shout out to those providers who have supported us throughout this journey. And most of all, we want to say to uh, our podcast listeners, please take care of yourself because you matter. Thank you, Ms. Petty. Our next podcast listeners will be on
0: August 18th at 10 a.m. Stay tuned for season two of our podcast, Atlanta. Uh, We appreciate you so
7: much and we'll see you in August.